Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Nerd Unscripted. This is your host, Tony Leidig, the uh, handsome young toy in the upper right-hand corner. <laughs> and uh, anyway, um, I had multiple topics that I thought about um, sharing about today. And the one that's kind of kept coming to the forefront was visions. Don't know why. But I just, I learned a long time ago that you go with your gut. So that's what I thought we would talk about today. And I have some really interesting experiences with that. If you've not had any kind of visions or lucid dreaming or anything like that before, uh, perhaps our discussion today will help you plug into into those uh, abilities. I personally believe that uh, anybody can really plug into those kinds of things. Um, One of the biggest hindrances I found uh, can just be our ability to condition our, our thinking, our minds to where we can actually receive stuff. And that was uh, part of my problem uh, early on. I remember, I don't even, I guess it was probably mid nineties somewhere around there. Um, I had this, I I was working for destiny image at the time, uh, Christian publishing company as a designer, which most of you are aware of that story. Um, and I had the, I remember I was, uh, here at home one night and I just had this real heaviness. I couldn't really explain it. I didn't know what it was. Um, so I decided to go down to the basement and just kind of walk around a little bit and think about it, meditate on it, whatever, figure out what it was, you know, ask questions. Uh, even back then I was doing that some, certainly not at the level now. I was just kind of figuring a lot of that out. Um, but I had this thought come to me uh, about uh, wanting to teach me a new way to see, to, to see visions. And up until that time, as far as I knew or could recall, I hadn't really seen anything like that, Um, which visions are a little bit different than dreams, of course, in the fact that you're normally awake and alert. Um, uh, Lucid dreaming is also very similar. Um, You're in a different state of mind, except that um, it's much more vibrant and very often you can interact with those Uh, Like within a lucid dream, you can interact with it uh, and guide and explore certain aspects of it, which is a very interesting and curious experience. Um, But anyways, I had this thought and it basically came down to, you know, God or the universe or whoever in the world was talking to me at the time um, wanted to teach me how to see visions. And of course, like that's something new. That's an adventure I'm game. And, uh, I remember, um, this image flashed into my mind and immediately my brain latched onto it and went, what's that? You know, and nothing, it, it shut down, it went away. And, I found that, um, because I'm very intellectual, in case you haven't figured that out yet, um, very intellectual, but also very creative. And um, 
And so as a result, like I just function at a real high level of curiosity all the time. And so whenever these pictures would start flashing into my head, immediately I'm trying to figure out what they are. Like my logical brain would kick in and it just doesn't really work that way, at least in my experience. And so um, uh, ultimately uh, how things played out was um, I started basically being force fed this picture uh, in little pieces so that I could ultimately discern the entire image. And it was a really curious thing. It took uh, place over the course of a few days, but it was basically teaching me how to still my mind so that I could allow uh, images uh, into you know, my brain space without shutting them off. Uh, and so it was challenging for me at first because, you know, I'm curious, I want to analyze everything. And so to, to somehow consciously turn that off so that it wouldn't just kick in and, and shut everything down was really hard for me to do at first. Uh, and really just the way this thing, like I would see this picture in stages, um, just little bits, almost kind of like, you know, the top line and then the next line and then the next line until the whole thing was revealed. And it turns out that it was this really interesting looking um, gate. Like whenever I was finally able to see the whole thing and let it play without me intervening, um, it was like this gold gate with a sword in front of it. And, um, there was, there was like words in the metal. It was like this really fancy filigree style gate. And, uh, behind the gate was this tree that was really interesting looking, um, had, um, uh, very funky leaves. It was very sculptured and round. And, uh, it, like I said, it took me a while to see it, but then finally I got a, um, a clear picture of it and was able to just kind of watch through the whole thing. And I didn't know what it really meant at first. Um, I actually created a 3D model of the whole thing uh, later on, much later, uh, just to because uh, I was so impressed with it and I wanted to remember that experience. So I kind of created the 3D model to commemorate that experience because it was like my first time you know my virgin voyage into the world of visions and uh a couple of the lessons that i learned was that um first of all really conditioning your thinking to uh a believe that those things can happen for you uh b to uh to just let it happen uh one of the hardest things uh for some folks is to learn how to calm our minds you know i mean and there's any number of methods that you can use to do that you know meditation staring in flames using mantras whatever um i what worked for me ultimately was um i i picture like a movie screen in my mind and it's blank 
and or black, whatever you want to call it. There's nothing on it, just this black frame like I'm staring in a movie. And I focus on that. And I, I notice that it really does awesome at calming my mind so that I can allow things to come in without hindrance. But I also discovered a uh, very interesting side effect of developing that. And it took some practice really to get used to, you know, just clearing my mind that way. But one of the interesting side effects of it was that um, it gave me the, the ability to fall asleep really, really quickly. So I had to be careful of that too, you know, that I would, I would like so zone in on this meditative state so quickly that I'd fall asleep. And, uh, and so I had to, you know, figure out how to stay alert and not fall asleep. So as a result, like normally when it comes to going to sleep at night, like I used to never be able to get to sleep. It would take me an hour or more just to kind of shut my mind down because I would keep getting all these ideas and all this kind of stuff. Very frenetic kind of, you know, <laughs> crazy in my head. Uh, but once I figured out this method and I didn't read about it anywhere, it was just what I kind of figured out for myself. Um, I noticed that uh, I could very easily go to sleep, like in a matter of seconds. And um, and I, I'm still able to do that even to today. Like I just decide it's time to go to sleep, you know, and I'll lay down and within less than a minute, I'm out in most cases, unless I'm like talking or something uh, to Kristen or whatever. But uh, it's just, and I'm really grateful for that because, you know, I know many people struggle with sleep. Um, but anyway, back to visions. We're not here to talk about sleeping. Um, back to visions. So once I figured out how to still my mind, which, by the way, there's a lot of benefits for that, um, to, to just still your mind and, and all of that, because it then allows um, ideas to flow through, creativity to flow through, just a lot of different things, including, um, of course, visions, which is what we're talking about today, uh, based on my experience anyway. And so um, after that initial experience, and figuring out this whole mind clearing process. Um, man, it was like somebody turned on a fire nozzle. And what I found was for a period of about six months, I'd say. So this is in like um, late 1996, early 1997, from what I recall. Uh, but it seemed like every time I closed my eyes and, and just like calmed down for even a moment of time, all of these things would start playing. It was like having a built-in movie theater, um, <laughs> which is kind of interesting. And uh, it was all kinds of random stuff. Sometimes it was, um, you know, just a couple seconds long. I would see just this little tiny thing. Um, other times it was a much longer experience and, uh, I couldn't really control it other than like, almost like an on and off switch, you know, you open yourself up, it's on, you close yourself off, it's off. And, um, like I remember this one thing that I saw was a golfer, which I don't play golf really at all. 
but it was his golfer. And um, he had the ball teed up, but there was some kind of writing on the ball. And I don't remember now what exactly was on the ball, but um, he swung and hit the ball and made a hole in one. But there was more to it. You know, if you've ever had visions, very often there's more information embedded in those than what you you know, what you're seeing visually. So one of the cool things about visions is that at least again, based on, this is all based on my experience. Um, not based on what I read in a book somewhere. Um, what in my experience, what I found is that there's the visual part of a vision. And then there's like this, for lack of a better way of saying it, I would say it's like a knowing, like, you know, certain things within the context of what you're seeing. And, uh, so that, um, you know, within the one that I was just sharing, um, there was additional knowledge or information that was connected to that. And, uh, I, I, of course, uh, journaled all of the visions that I saw. Um, I think it's important to do that. It's real easy. Uh, and I have like notebooks full of them. Um, it's real easy to, within the moment, try to interpret them in your current context. Uh, same with dreams. Uh, and what I found is that more times than not, you're going to get it wrong. I think it's a huge mistake to just, you know, you come out of that experience and are like, what did that mean? You know, too much pizza, you know, I don't know. It's like, Oh, well it kind of seems to, uh, perhaps point to this or mean that or whatever. And it's real easy to do. Um, it's just a very natural part of who we are as humans to think about stuff within context at a given moment in time, when in reality, it may not have anything to do with what's going on with you right now. It could be a message for somebody else. It could be something for years from when you have it. Um, it's hard to say sometimes. Other times, it's very... Uh, very apparent what's going on. Um, I found that in some cases, but not all cases, um, again, my experience that, uh, visions are, uh, very much archetypal, uh, or allegorical, uh, in the sense that you can't take what they present literally. Uh, and uh, it would be a huge mistake to do so. You would totally get it wrong. But then other times um, I've had experiences where it was very interactive and um, uh, I like I'll give you an example. I can't really think of descriptor words, but I, I can describe my experience because I've had multiple experiences. And I think I've shared a little bit of some of this before. but. I remember um, over the course of several months, um, I had this experience where I would, uh, it always started pretty much the same. And that was that I would be sitting on these rocks um, in this location that I had no idea what it was, but there was like a, it, it kind of reminded me of an island. Um, and I think it was an island, but I'm not sure, uh, cause I, I only saw one part of it, but I'd be like sitting on these rocks on a hill 
And then the hill would go down and uh, there was a beach um, at the bottom of the hill and you could see out. And I don't know if it was like an ocean or a gulf or something like that. It kind of appeared like an ocean because on the horizon you couldn't see like any other land. So it was definitely a large body of water. Um, and then to the right, there were um, rock cliffs. And uh, at the bottom of the this face of rocks uh, right on the beach was this cave system like this weird cave uh, and then behind me um, where these rocks were there was a like a path that went into what seemed like a tropical rainforest um, and so uh, what was really interesting to me though was that this vision experience that I had um, I had many, many times. And every time that I went there, the, the uh, experience was different. It was like um, I was literally able to explore. And so every time I had it, had it I would go through the same routine. Like um, I spent a long period of time exploring the cave. Um, another period of time where I would explore some of the rainforest thing or whatever. I would walk up and down the beach to try to get different points of view to see things. Um, and quite frankly, I don't know why. I mean, even to this day, like I really don't know why I saw what I saw or experienced it. But um, I, I have some theories about why, but I don't know that they're relevant to this particular discussion. But anyway, I mean, I remember like going into the cave and it was as real to me uh, seeing all of this as if I've actually been there and visited it. OK. Um, and even though that's been. Gosh, 20 years ago, um, I can still see it in my mind's eye as clearly as like if I just was there yesterday. And, um, so one of the things that was interesting, um, one of the, I had a lot of interesting experiences within that context. Okay. Um, one was, I remember walking in, uh, to the cave and like, as soon as you walked into the cave, there was like this natural, um, bowl kind of thing that, uh, looked like it was made out of stone, but it could have been like a, you know, like a stalactite or whatever. I don't know what it was, but, um, there was this liquid and it looked like milk. Um, and it wasn't thick or anything. It was like water, but it looked like milk. And, um, I was never brave enough to, to drink from it. Although I was tempted a couple of times, Lord knows what would have happened. I don't know, but I remember seeing this milk and it was always there every time I walked into the cave. And then, um, like after the milk, there were like the cave went in two directions. Uh, there were like two openings that ultimately connected and then there was a larger network. And, um, I remember one of the early times of exploring this cave, I heard this water it sounded like a waterfall and, um, and turns out it was a waterfall within the cave. 
And um, so I remember walking around this one mall and, and there was this waterfall and it the water was coming from above like an opening. And then it was going through the floor, through an opening in the floor. So imagine like you have a hole in a rock ceiling and a hole in a rock floor. And then there's just water gushing th- through that. That's what this was like. And um, I remember the one time I was there looking at this waterfall, I was challenged to jump into the waterfall. And it scared the daylights out of me because, A, you don't know where the waterfall is going. B, you know, you don't know if you're going to end up in water or how deep or if you can get out or, you know, whatever. I mean, it was really challenging. But um, I saw it as a lesson of trust, Um, you know, to just kind of trust the vision process. And so I remember this one time... um, you know, when I got this challenge, I'm standing in front of this waterfall and no idea where I'm going to end up, but I jumped in, jumped into the flow of the waterfall, waterfall. And almost immediately I landed in a body of water. Like, um, you know, what I thought was like an underground lake or something like that. Which makes sense. I mean, if you have water flowing down, it's got to flow into something. And usually that's a body of water. And so I landed into this water and it was really deep. But then all of a sudden I realized that I was in the ocean off the beach. But I was upside down. Okay, so this is a weird paradoxical kind of thing. So I went in uh, feet first into this waterfall and landed into the water feet first. And then all of a sudden I was aware that my feet were facing the surface of the water and I was upside down because I started floating to the top. And then I turned around so that my head was facing up and surfaced out in this large body of water, the ocean or whatever you want to call it. And I was about 20 feet off the shoreline. And so I swam back to the shoreline. And so, like, from a physics perspective, that is impossible. Okay. Um, But then again, it wasn't reality. It was a vision. So I guess anything goes. Um, So that was one experience. It was really, really interesting that I didn't fully understand. Um, And then another time I shared, I think, this story in the past where um, I was standing on the shoreline with someone else who at the time I thought was Jesus and could have been. I mean, don't know. Never met him personally, like physical form. But anyway, um, he asked me to look out across the ocean and tell tell him what I saw. And what I saw looked like this... um, city like if you were to look at say philadelphia or new york from out in the ocean you know and look in that's kind of what it looked like and uh like a city on an island is kind of what it looked like and so i described it and then um you know he said that he was going to teach me a new way to see and all this kind of stuff and so he put his hands over my eyes 
um, and then took them away and asked me what I saw, uh, what I saw now. And so I looked up at the city again, except whenever I did it this time, there was like this massive flood of light that hit me and like a laser almost. And there was information in the light. And so for a couple hours, I felt like I knew all the secrets of the universe, but I could literally over time feel that draining out. And later I learned that it didn't really drain out. It's just that my brain couldn't handle the information. And so it was like passing it through to my unconscious and everything to normalize my state. Because when it first happened, I couldn't even speak. Like I couldn't even form a sentence. So, you know, I, like it startled me so much. I jumped up and people were asking me what was wrong and all that. And I couldn't tell them because I couldn't speak. Um, cause I was, <laughs> you hear information overload. I was, I was definitely an information overload. So that, uh, and these are things that happen like during the day I wasn't sleeping, you know, I just like put my head down or close my eyes or whatever. So, um, this whole process went on for about six months. And then it very abruptly stopped about as much as, uh, as quickly as it started, it stopped. And, uh, it was like having a built in television channel, you know, and, and then it's like your subscription to Netflix stops and now you no longer have access to the shows there. That's kind of what it felt like in some respects. Um, but I think a lot of that, like the reason why it was intense and then it stopped my, my personal conclusion is that it was just teaching me how to receive, like how to be a receiver. Now, since that time, over the last 20 years, I've seen a lot of things and had a lot of really interesting experiences from a vision perspective. And what I found is um, some of the things, like, I, I've found ways to, to use uh, what I see as a benefit to others. And I've shared stories in the past about, you know, um, praying for people and all of that and, and getting this insight about them and just not even understanding what I'm seeing, just describe it. And so that's one way where they've really come in handy. Um, also, there's been times where uh, I'm a very visual person. And so uh, uh, for me, it's easier to like show me a picture of what you want to communicate than just describe it to me. Uh, and that's why um, I think I shared this once before that a lot of the teaching that I do, uh, even in, um, you know, teaching about marketing related topics and publishing and photography and all of the different things that I teach on. Um, most of what I share is all visual based. Like I'm describing, I have bullet points on a slide, but those bullet points come from pictures that I've seen. Um, and so I'm just describing what I see in my mind, my mind's eye. Um, and I found that to be very easy to do. I like I've perfected that process somehow. And, uh, so a lot of times whenever I like, whatever I'm teaching, even in business, um, as I'm going along and sharing maybe what's in the 
PowerPoint slides or whatever, um, these pictures will flash into my head and I kind of see them like, uh, mini visions, you know, like, uh, on almost like on demand television in some respects. And I've learned, uh, just through experience that whatever pops into my head pops in there for a reason. Okay. Because I'm very disciplined about it. And so, um, very often whenever you hear me talking, um, off the slides or going down a rabbit hole or, or just randomly sharing something that I wasn't initially planning on sharing 99% of the time, it's because I'm getting these picture flashes that are coming into my head and I've learned to just go with it, uh, to trust the system, so to speak. And, uh, most of the time it works out really well once in a while it gets kind of interesting or silly or crazy or whatever. But, um, one of the side effects of it all is that it, uh, makes for never a dull moment. And, uh, <laughs> that's just, I don't know. I enjoy that. Now, um, I personally believe that anyone can do that. And as, uh, as I stated earlier, I apologize for being a little pausey. I, have a lot of nasal congestion today. I don't know why. I think the weather system here is changing and there's a warm front coming through. And usually that transition period affects my sinuses. But anyway, so I'm a little clogged. So if I sound goofy, that's why. Um, and I and I won't do like Claritin D or whatever. I like to have clarity. <laughs> and Claritin does not provide that. It just makes you feel goofy. Um, but anyway, I digress. So I believe that anybody could tap into this. It's really just ultimately a matter of discipline, like learning how to discipline ourselves, just like anything else. You know, uh, there's a reason why people encourage meditation or prayer or whatever. And that's because it takes us outside of the normal crazy that is being human and um, calms everything down to where we can, you know, uh, depending on your frame of reference to more clearly hear the voice of God, to tune into a higher frequency level, to balance your chakras, whatever you want to refer to it as little inside secret. It's all pretty much the same thing. Um, but the only way we can really advance as humans to accomplish anything, whether it's in business or personal life, personal growth, uh, helping others, whatever the case may be, is we have to get control of our minds. You know, we have to be able to control our minds and be deliberate in that. And so visions are really a part of that. It's a discipline, um, just like anything else. And, um, and I can tell you, as a matter of fact, that there are a lot of really cool benefits to being able to tune in to those kinds of things. Sometimes you don't get the answers that you want or expect. Um, and that's just because of conditioning where, you know, we expect that things should come a certain way. And I have a really cool story to tell you about that in just a moment. Um, other times uh, we get hung up to where we feel like we have these blocks and so we have to go outside to an external source, another person, whatever, to help us see past what, you know, we can't see for ourselves. 
And um, I had a really interesting experience with a lot of that just this past week where um, I felt like I was bumping up against this glass ceiling, if you will, and I couldn't get past it, no matter what I tried, no matter how much I paced, meditated, prayed, whatever. Um, I was not getting past it. And uh, what was interesting was um, uh, Kristen was talking to one of her close friends who I'm also friends with. And um, Kristen had shared about me struggling with this glass ceiling kind of thing. And uh, so she offered to talk with me. And I always take input, you know, and she's pretty dialed in when it comes to certain kinds of, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, discernment. We'll put it that way. Um, she's pretty dialed in with certain types of discernment and such. So we had this conversation and it was probably 45 minutes or so. And, uh, very, very much not a linear discussion. I mean, we were kind of snaking around all over the place, but the, uh, the cool thing at the end of the day was, uh, is that we were able to pinpoint what the block was and, uh, come to find out that it actually wasn't a block at all. Um, I kept insisting as we talked that I, that it was a block and not an alignment issue. Um, and come to find out that it was an alignment issue, not a block. The alignment issue was kind of creating a block, but I was out of alignment because, um, and I'll just share what came out of it. It's personal to me, but um, I think the insight behind it um, could really be a benefit. It it came like this came to a, a two-part head. Um, first of all, I couldn't understand why certain things weren't connecting properly in my business. Like there seemed to be a disconnect and I couldn't figure out why. And she helped me realize that, um, well, first of all, there were things that I weren't embracing and that I wanted to really badly, but just wasn't doing getting done or wasn't completing certain kinds of projects and all of that. And she helped me realize that, um, that I was trying to work on those things independent of the story that existed within them. Um, that, uh, you know, we are people of story, we humans. Um, and so in one form or another, everything we do in life, how we live our life, even the day to day humdrum, boring stuff is all based on a story. Uh, it's a story that we tell ourselves. It's a, a could be a controlled story like using vision boards it could be anything but ultimately there's an underlying story and if the underlying story that you have running in your subconscious doesn't line up with with the story that you want to tell um nothing happens they cancel each other out and that's kind of where i was and so it's uh you've probably seen illustrations um one comes to mind where um, you have this uh, violin, like I, I don't think this was an actual real thing that happened. It's a story, uh, but there's like this old violin that was being sold at auction and the auctioneer couldn't even get like a dollar or two 
out of it. I th- actually, I think it's a country song <laughs> now that I think about it. But he couldn't even get like a dollar or two. Like nobody would bid on this old violin. And then this old dude walks up and picks up the violin and starts playing it like a master. And now all of a sudden, you know, the bids $100, $200, $500 and so on. And so the the master who played the violin created a story around the violin. Um, In marketing terms, you could say he effectively communicated the benefit. Okay. Um, which is what stories are in, in, uh, in marketing. Uh, and so I didn't have an established story, um, for certain thing, certain projects and certain things that I wanted to pursue. And as a result, nothing happened. It's like somebody forgot to turn on the record player or whatever. So, um, she really helped me see that. And she was one of the originators of, uh, one of the ideas that I had later on. And I'll share a tiny little bit of that uh, here in just a moment. So um, that was one part of it. And then um, a day or so later, I was pacing a little bit and like I normally do. And uh, asking questions like I normally do, like, you know, where is the disconnect? Why is this happening? Whatever the case may be. And, um, this thought came to me that, um, that I wasn't doing certain things in my, um, my life because I felt like I needed to be validated certain projects that I was working on or that I wanted to work on Uh, one of them, which is a very large project. And it's just been sitting. And every time I think about it or talk about it, I get emotional uh, about it so there's a lot of energy connected to it which is why i'm not going to talk about it a lot today um but yet i'm not doing anything on it like i'm 100 percent connected i know it's divinely inspired so on and so forth but i haven't been doing anything with it and part of it what uh part of that particular project was that i i didn't have the story i couldn't see the story and it's a story driven project so you know there's that but then there was this other thing about needing validated. Okay. Which many of us can struggle with. I certainly have over the years, um, that, and some of it came from my dad's, you know, my dad would often say whenever I go to him with art, you know, well, that's really good, but you can do better. He thought he was encouraging me. I thought he was disapproving, you know, that I wasn't very good and he was just being nice. Um, but I found even as I became a professional artist and all of that, I still needed to hear him and my mom say, that's really good son or whatever. Like I needed that validation and I moved beyond a lot of that. Right. But this time I got, I saw this snapshot picture and I got this insight that was really revolutionary for me. and. Hopefully, perhaps it may be for some of you. And that was when it comes to validation. uh, And this is where the alignment thing came in. When it comes to validation, like we get these ideas. And sometimes, you know, especially for those of you who are very creative, you know, you'll get these ideas for projects or a work of art or something like that. And um, 
if you struggle with validation at all, like any kind of validation issues where you need permission for somebody to say, why don't you just go for it? You know, that's a form of validation. We need validated. You know, or no, you're really good. You should do this because all your other stuff has been awesome. Right? Another form of validation. And so there's a lot of different ways that it can play out. But, um, and this is all related to visions because these insights came from visions uh, and conversations. Um, so what I realized was that whenever a vision or an idea comes to you through pictures or whatever, you get an insight, okay? Um, validation comes with that insight. So like, for instance, I have this story. Um, and it's more than just a story. It's a series of novels. And it's about characters in this entire world. Like I got as a download. Um, it's it's quite crazy. You'll hear more about it in the future. But um, the fact that I was given those insights for that um, creative project means that it's already validated because it was given to me. So I don't need anybody else to say, you should go do this, Tony, because I think you do great at it. You know, I don't need to say, what do you mean you're questioning whether or not you can write this? You've already been validated. And so that's the point that really kind of hit me between the eyes. But also a new revelation that I had related to visions is that whenever we receive them, it's not like walking into a room and the television is on and you just happen to randomly see whatever's on the television at the time. It's not like that. Whenever they come to you, they come to you with validation built in. You were chosen to see it. That's validating. Okay. So whenever you're getting something, there's no need to second guess it or whatever. I mean, if you're doing like acid, you know, or magic mushrooms, you might want to question some of that, but <laughs> what you're seeing, um, but uh, chances are that isn't the case with most of you. Um, but whenever we get insights, we may not know what they mean. Okay. And it may take us some time to discern why we saw what we saw, but understand that, especially if you get, uh, visions and insights that are very directed toward projects. Okay. Uh, whether they're creative projects or helping your neighbor across the street, like you have a vision of you walking through doing something and then uh, a day or two later you happen to run into that person and, you know, like those divine insights, they come with validation built in. You don't have to question it. It's like if you weren't the one to do it, you wouldn't have gotten it to begin with. And it seems like a simple concept but I can be really thick-headed at times. And so it took me a while to really understand that. Um, and one of the reasons why is because I grew up with feeling that I needed validated in everything that I did. Now, it's not to say that we don't enjoy getting a pat on the back or being told that, you know, what we're doing is has value and is worthwhile and how people were lives were changed or whatever. Um, of course, we like to hear that, you know. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that, but when that becomes a need, 
or the basis of an insecurity or something like that, that's where the alignment part comes in. Like when we need to hear that uh, to get us to take the next step. Whenever we like need the approval of a parent or a significant other or whatever. And if we don't get that approval, we feel like, like we question whether we should take that step or not. That's when it gets messed up. Okay. Uh, that's when the alignment becomes an issue because now instead of just looking to divine inspiration or the divine source or God as, Oh, well, you know, I'm on a mission this came to me in a vision or otherwise. And so I need to get on it. Uh, instead we talk ourselves out of it, or maybe there's some risk involved and we don't want to take that risk. Uh, maybe it feels like it's beyond our ability, which is one of the things that I often run into. Like, I don't even know if I can freaking do that. Like I've never done anything like that before. So how on earth could I create XYZ. And so we start to doubt. We start to pause. Um, we look to others, you know, to validate us or whatever the case may be. When in reality, our job is to stick with the vision. To just stick with it and do it. Figure it out. Take the steps. Take the leap. Whatever the case may be. And whenever you do that, it's amazing what you can accomplish. One of the visions that I've had, and I think I've shared some of this before, um, is a, a science center, to create a science center and a theme park all around, uh, based around educational topics like dinosaurs and space exploration and all that kind of stuff. And I've seen the whole thing. I've walked the whole thing. I can describe all of it to you in detail. Um, I know from a practical perspective, it's a solid 10 years out, um, just because, you know, it's a hundred million dollar, at least vision. I don't have a hundred million dollars just yet, but, uh, aside from the money, there's also a lot of other things that, you know, I need to figure out Kristen and I and learn and all of that so that you don't go from, you know, selling courses online to building a, you know, an eight, nine figure, uh, theme park and science center. Like you just don't normally do that. That's not smart. Um, unless you hire everything out. Uh, and so there's a big learning process and I could take that vision and say, you know what? There's no way in hell I could ever accomplish that ever. And you know what? It'll never happen if I take that approach or I could take the approach that we are taking and say, well, that's a ways off. There's stuff that we need to learn. So let's reverse engineer that process and see what steps we can take to get to the big vision. And that is what we're doing. So, um, toy box gifts is a manifestation of part of that vision. So here's this picture that shows up in my head and now it's a reality for us. Nirvana outpost is a manifestation of part of that vision. You know, the next project, um, 
Wonder Suites Emporium is a part of that vision. And so that's the, the cool thing. Like whenever we stop questioning the vision and just going with it, staying in alignment to it, uh, and sometimes it's not like every vision is going to manifest this way, but you're going to get pictures, dreams. Um, you're going to get life visions where it's like, this is why I'm here on this planet. Or maybe you'll get a download of uh, a series of stories or um, pieces of art that you know that you need to sculpt or whatever the case may be. And you see these things and you're like, holy shit, that's awesome. Now, how do I do that? Because I've never done that before. And that's beyond my ability. And like, then it starts. The conversation starts. And so our challenge is to really be careful. Um, and pay attention and, and stay focused. Now, one of the things that just happened today, speaking of visions, um, just happened this morning, is um, there's a series of stories that I have, and I've had them for a couple of years, and they're outline and uh, kind of outline. I've done a lot of character research and stuff like that. And... I haven't started writing them because a I've never written anything at that level. I've never written novels or anything like that. Um, and honestly, the the idea of it scares the hell out of me. Like I'm afraid that I can't do it. Uh, that's where my struggle has really been that that I just won't be able to pull it off. And uh, that's a big hindrance whenever you <laughs> believe something like that. Um, the likelihood of you actually doing it is very slim, but that's where I've been camped for two years, at least is I've just paused on it. Uh, I love the idea. Um, I, I like every time I think about it, I just get excited. There's characters in there that I want to see come to life. I mean, there's just so much, but I really shut myself down because I wasn't sure that I could pull it off. And, uh, and so after I started getting some of that was part of the glass ceiling, um, that started spilling into other projects and I'm like, crap, you know, it's replicating. Um, and so one of the things that, uh, after I got this insight in talking with Kristen's friend or our friend, um, and understanding that all the validation, like, I, yes, it's, I've never written a novel before. That gets fought under, so what? Um, the fact remains is that the idea was given to me. And so the fact that it was given to me, it contains all the validation I need to make it happen. Okay, so that's a huge revelation. But um, one of, I'm a very visual person, and I've, as I've shared many times, it's very, very easy for me to see something and then describe it. Um, the stories that I have written have all been that way. Um, a lot of the teaching that I do all happens that way. Um, and many times it's all rooted in vision. So um, that's just how I work. I can't explain it beyond the fact that it just is. Uh, and the problem that I've had was that I couldn't, I couldn't see the end result of the, these stories. And so whenever I was talking to um, 
to Natalie, she did this guided meditation with me that was really powerful. Um, and it works really well because you're tapping into vision. And uh, she told me, you know, I want you to close your eyes, clear your mind. So I did. Like you see a, uh, a doorway and inside that doorway is uh, when you walk through that door is your art room, your creative space. I said, okay. So she's like, I want you to close your eyes. I want you to walk up to the door and I want you to open the door. So I imagine myself doing that. And she said, um, so now I want you to tell me what you see. Now, whenever you're in a guided meditation like this, I don't know if you've ever done anything like this. I have a lot. Um, there is this thought that will often come up that says you're making this shit up. <laughs> you know, this isn't real. Uh, or the idea comes to mind that you're making it happen. You're choosing what you see. And there is some truth to that. Um, but I believe that more so you're tapping into, you know, infinite wisdom. You're tapping into your subconscious, whatever. Um, and so whenever, um, whenever I opened up the door in this vision, the first thing that I saw uh, and I really tried to not control the environment at all. But the first thing that I saw was this desk. And there was other stuff in the room. But what stood out to me was there was this desk. And on the desk was a painting that was probably 16 by 20, I would say, in size. And I knew instinctively, as soon as I saw it, um, it's something that it's something I've never seen before. I've never thought of before. It was just like there. And I knew that that is what I was there to see. And I knew instinctively that it was a scene from this series of novels. And all of a sudden I couldn't talk because of the emotional energy around this project. And, um, and so I'm, I'm trying to control it now. Uh, but anyway, so she says, uh, I said, I see a painting. She asked me to describe it. I described it to her. And she said, so what would happen if you walked into that painting? What would you see? And what was interesting was I tried to imagine myself doing that and I couldn't. But. The story behind what I saw in the painting was very interesting and it fit in perfectly with this project. And so um, I felt as though it was, you know, quite the breakthrough. And I felt immediately very different, um, much later, of course. And so over the next few days, which this just happened last Wednesday or Thursday, so it's not been that long. It's only been a few days. Um, so one of the things that I have meditated about, prayed about, everything about is to see this project. Like I knew that if I could like step into this world, which 
I know exists completely, like incomplete form, and I know the players in it, I know areas of it, but like to actually walk in and then just describe what I see, I know that I could bang out a trilogy of novels in a very short period of time. Because now it's just describing what I'm seeing. The problem is that I was missing a really key component until today. And the key component was that I was trying to imagine myself stepping into that world as me. As Tony. And I have no place in that world. As a person. Because the world is like millions of years ago and all of that. Or different time, different planet, everything. It's a fantasy world, so I mean it could be anywhere. Um... But I didn't have a role in that. And here's how I discovered it. So around 3 o'clock this morning, um, very often like I usually do around 3 o'clock, I had to get up and go to the bathroom. And um, I was having a lot of really random dreams and stuff like that, uh, which I don't even remember. So I, I came back to bed and usually like the easiest way for me to fall asleep is on my back. Some people can't sleep on their back. I at least like to start there because um, it's very comfortable. We have these this awesome, amazing memory foam uh, gel top mattress. And so I laid on my back and I thought, you know, since I'm here and not asleep yet, I wonder if I can actually imagine myself stepping into this scene. Like, this is something I think about a lot. And uh, so I'm there and I'm trying to imagine this place and I can't. And uh, I'm just really tossing and turning a little bit, not falling asleep. I'm just kind of, you know, grappling with this thing. And then I roll over on my right side. While these movies are playing, you know, these pictures are showing up in my mind. And they're, they're, they're really random. And they have absolutely nothing to do with what I want them to have something to do with. And, I mean, even on the way back to the bedroom, I'm like, can you please just show me a part of this place? So that I have a starting point. I mean, it's just like her, you know, it's driving me crazy. And, uh, you know, it's been off and on like this for a couple of years. So um, you can imagine how frustrating it can be. So anyway, so I go back to bed. I lay on my, I lay on my back. Can't, nothing's coming to me or anything like that. And finally, I'm like, you know what? Screw it. I don't care. You know, I'm just, might as well just go back to sleep. Nothing's going to happen. So. I roll over on my right side. And so my knees are pulled up a little. So like not full fetal position, but you know, it's more comfortable for me to lay with my legs slightly bent. And uh, all of a sudden this picture pops into my head of me, except it's not me. Laying in this uh, wooded area on my side. And I'm like observing this image and I'm not human. 
I'm like an animal or something. I don't know what I am. And I knew immediately that I was in that place that I've been trying to get into for two years. And I'm like, holy shit, this is awesome. You know, it was like just amazing. So like, here I am. I like, I, it's almost like I just fell into this space. And so I rolled back over my back and the picture disappeared. And like other random stuff was starting to show up. Like, well, that's kind of odd. So I rolled over on my left side and nothing. Nothing at all. Roll back over on my right side and immediately I'm in that space again. So me being the uh, analytical tester kind of guy that I am, spent the next several minutes switching back and forth between my back my left side, my right side, like just like I got to know what the hell is going on here. And uh, the really weird, crazy thing about it is every time I laid on my right side, I was immediately transported to that place. Anytime I was anywhere else, stomach, back, left side, didn't matter. Nothing. I didn't see anything. Now, why on earth does me laying on my right side have anything to do with a story project? And the conclusion that I've come to so far, I mean, this, you know, it's what, 11 o'clock? So, like, this happened eight hours ago. <laughs> you know, I haven't really had a whole lot of time to process it. Um, uh, and by the way, I had this topic picked before this experience happened. So I'm not teaching us today because of what happened eight hours ago. I picked this topic a day or two ago. Um, but anyway, it just good timing, I guess. Um, the only thing that I can conclude, first of all, understand that whenever you receive any kind of creative project, whether it's a story, um, sculpture, art, whether it's a building project, um, a, uh, a business, uh, it could literally be anything. I've seen this work with, uh, across the board is that whenever the vision comes to you, um, it's complete, always complete. You may not be able to see all the pieces. Uh, you may only have a little tiny snapshot like the first experience that I had, uh, I couldn't see the, the grand vision of this gate with the tree behind it and all of that. Uh, I had to see it in, in little pieces and then ultimately the full vision came into view. Um, but I found that just because you can't see the whole thing doesn't mean that it doesn't exist already in complete form because it does. It always does. And what we found, even with our grand business vision with the theme park and the science center and all that kind of stuff, our employees think that we're making shit up as we go along, but we are literally flying by the seat of our pants and 
they never really quite know what to expect from us. Like, what are you going to do this week? You know, and all of that. Um, and so they think we're really making this up. Uh, but we're not. What we've discovered is that we just aren't seeing everything all at once. It'd probably freak us the hell out, quite honestly, if we really saw everything. Um, we tend, as humans, to do that. And so um, we're seeing in part. And uh, as we take another step, we see a little bit more. It's like walking down the road. You know, you could have a clear, unhindered vision uh, to see as far as the eye could see. But there's a whole lot of detail that you're not going to see. Like if you're standing along a road on a, like out west where it's all flat, you'll see stuff, but you won't see details. Like you'll see that maybe there's these huge, massive, cool looking stone canyons on the right and the left. But you're not going to see the jackrabbit that's sitting behind that one boulder up there three miles ahead. So, you know, it's not really that big of a surprise that when we get vision like this, we can't see or understand or comprehend everything that's wrapped up in that vision. That doesn't mean that it isn't there, though. Okay. Um, so another analogy might be... Um, Let's say you have this painting that you really love and you want to show it to everybody, except that the way you show it to everybody is from a mile away, <laughs> you know? Well, first of all, they may not even be able to see you, but as you walk closer, they'll be able to see you and that you're holding something. And then as you get a little closer, they'll see that what you're holding is a painting and it's got some blocks and swirls and all of that. And then as you continue to walk closer, then they can see more detail. And if they need glasses, well, that's another conversation. But um, so visions really do work the same way. So I know for a fact that these stories that I'm to write exist in complete form. Like I can feel that. As weird as that sounds to say. So the only conclusion that I can make is that within those existing stories, there is a part of those stories where this creature who I'm apparently identifying with, and maybe I am that creature in, the, in these stories, who knows? I guess we'll find out. That there is a part of that story where it's laying on its side, and I plugged into that. I could be 100% wrong on that conclusion. And I'm okay with being wrong. But that's what I think is going on. Is that there's a scene there that, you know, in becoming that, whatever it is, that creature, there's a scene where it's laying on its right side in those woods that I saw in the painting in that guided meditation. Um, and so... Who knows? We'll find out, I guess, eventually. But the point that I want to get across here is um, there's so much more going on than we are consciously aware of on a lot of levels. And visions are one of the tools that we have available to us to help guide us through this crazy landscape called life <laughs> you know our personal experience they're there for a reason just like emotions you know emotions are a guidance system for us 
And so, uh, you know, one of the quickest ways to find out whether you have a connection to something or not is to see if you have any emotion around it. You know, I mean, there's certain things every time I talk about, I get emotional. I mean, there's energy there. If there's certain kinds of problems that we're trying to work through, but we're not sure what the answer is, just follow the emotions, you know? Uh, so visions, dreams, uh, lucid dreams, a lot of those all work the same. They're another part of our guidance system to help us figure stuff out. And uh, the more attention we could get to developing that discipline, um, the better off we'll be in accomplishing our goals of why we're here on this planet. And by the way, um, you know, our goal of being here on this planet doesn't necessarily have to be this grandiose, uh, you know, this grandiose thing where, you know, we influence or change hundreds of thousands of lives. Like it may not be that at all. Um, although indirectly we could perhaps influence or change hundreds of thousands of lives like by writing a book or creating a work of art or whatever. But, you know, we're all different and we all carry a piece of the big story. You know, our job is to just tell our part of that story. And, uh, you know, my encouragement to you is that you can all do it. You know, I want to hear all of your stories. Um, you know, however, you know, whatever form those take. So, that's all that I have. Um, there's some comments here. We'll go down through. I'm going to take a quick drink. Um, let's see. Tony says, uh, do you do things you see in your dreams count as visions? Cause that's why I was thinking of the girl I had not seen in years. My dad had, my dad appeared in a dream and it reminded me about my childhood which is when I last talked to the girl. They can sometimes, like normally we think of dreams as us being unplugged and, you know, out. And then, you know, the movies play that way. But what I found is that, um, in my experience, you can have visions in the form of dreams. Um, to me, the big telling difference is visions seem to have this lasting effect where uh, whether they show up as waking dreams, um, actual dreams, visions, however they show up, like you just don't forget them. And whenever you think about them, you know, they seem as real now as they did whenever they happen, as if no time had passed at all. Um, like, some of the visions that I've had, and it's not that, you know, the busyness of life doesn't make you forget things or you don't think about them. But, um, I found that, you know, often dreams while very engaging and real in the moment that they're happening, as soon as you wake up, they're gone, you know, or within a matter of moments they fade. And, um, I found that visions that I've had, um, have lasted, for years and years. I mean, the ones that I was describing earlier about the cave and the shoreline and all of that, that was 1997. I mean, you're talking 21 years ago and I can see them today as clearly as I did then. 
you know, so to me, that's a difference. So I, I would say very, very possibly it could have been a vision. Um, one of the things that happens, you know, is that whenever our consciousness is unplugged, uh, meaning that we're either in a meditative state or a dream state or something like that, our conscious minds are out of the way so that these other frequencies and inputs can come into us, whether it's divine inspiration from God or whoever, um, aliens, you know, uh, whatever the case may be, or just dreams or even our subconscious trying to get, I mean, our conscious minds can only process a very, very small fraction of the amount of data that's coming into us at any given time. And, uh, I mean, it's like a factor of 10,000 to one or something. It's crazy. And so there's a lot of information that we're picking up on just through visual and, um, like our five physical sense inputs that doesn't even account for like spiritual realms, multiple dimensions, all that other kind of stuff that we're also getting data input for. So, um, to me, it makes sense. I mean, we have to actually walk out our lives. You know, it's not that we're, you know, we should sit around in a comfortable chair and just have visions all day long. Um, but, it, to me, like the way it's worked well for me is to learn how to just tune into that kind of stuff very quickly. Download what I need in the moment and then do whatever I need to do. Like that's kind of the system that has worked for me. <laughs> Mark says, did you create the model out of mashed potatoes? A la close encounters. Um, funny. Uh, <laughs> Honestly, knowing me, I probably would have, but I didn't. I, like, that wouldn't surprise me or Kristen. She'd be like, what's with all the mashed potatoes? I got this picture in my head. Can't get it out. <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, Herta, I don't know that I saw your question regarding this. So you didn't, um, you didn't miss my answer because I, I missed your question. Uh, Carolyn, thanks for the tip on uh, the nasal problem. I've actually done that before, heated up uh, water and, and breathe in the steam, and it definitely helps. Um, I may need to do that later. <laughs> uh, very cool. Um, Mark says, I've had a sleep problem due to overactive brain things since I was young, seven to 10. Uh, I was always at the library at that age. I started and ran a magician's club there while reading about hypnosis as a part of a stage act. I found a reference to self hypnosis, helping with insomnia. So following the rabbit and, uh, read up on it, which led me to meditation and eventually astral projection which I have never had proof that um, that that is anything different from lucid dreaming. Uh, to me, all of it is the same thing with different names. I would probably tend to agree with you. Um, it starts with being in the here and now by focusing on something repetitive like breathing, then practicing reducing 
mind action through an image or images that you control and reduce slowly like a sunset. The next step is usually sleep. Sometimes, though, it becomes a hybrid of my control and not my control. Uh, I have not decidedly to, uh, totally if it is from anything external. Uh, I have not decided totally if it's from anything external. Meditation is a daily first thing for me, and it leads me on paths that I may not have otherwise investigated. That's super cool. Um, and I totally relate to your early experience um, as a kid, because I did the same thing. Um, I remember, like all the local libraries, um, I read, like, Every science book, every uh, weather book, weather was a big fascination of mine. Um, every paranormal book, every UFO book. I mean, like, I read constantly. Uh, so much data input whenever I was a kid. And even today, I mean, it just, it's fascinating. Um, and so, you know, I like using myself as a bit of a guinea pig because, you know, other people tend to not like to allow that. <laughs> <laughs> but it is interesting the uh stuff that you can discover on this uh journey <laughs> and mark says well i i used all the space for comments on the last one uh i should show some restraint uh, i don't mind your comments at all Uh, Tony says, Disney wants to buy the rights. Well, you know, it's an interesting thing about that. Um, one of, the, uh, I'll share you, I'll share this with you. Um, and I don't know that I've shared this publicly. There's a number of people who are aware of it, but mostly because they were in attendance when it happened. Um, but the gal that I was talking with, um, last week, Natalie, uh, whenever we had the, uh, whenever we did our grand opening for our play space, which is, uh, right outside our house here, um, there was a, a group of us we brought together, um, and we spent a weekend together just basically talking about dreams and visions, kind of like a mastermind hot seat kind of thing. And, uh, I shared some of my stuff at the time, um, you know, things that I saw and where I wanted to go and all of that. And Nally was there with her husband and, um, she looked at me and said, um, you're like the Disney of dinosaurs. And just a simple statement like that. And it hit me so hard, it almost felt like she whacked me up along the head and, uh, you know, nearly knocking me out of my chair. I mean, it, it really impacted me. And what I didn't know until I just talked to her last week is that energetically that statement hit her so hard. She didn't, she'd never had that happen before. And it didn't scare her, but it surprised her because she's like, there is a connection there to that statement. Like that statement had to come out of my mouth so that you could hear it no matter what. Like it was just like that. And I didn't realize that she had felt that because she hadn't shared that with me. But 
that statement was like uh, an activator. You know, that was what opened up the curtain to the vision that we've been walking out ever since. And uh, it's extremely powerful. And so the fact that you said Disney wants to buy the rights <laughs> just reminded me of that statement again. But um, I, I can't emphasize enough. You have to pay attention to what's going on around you. You know, we tend to lead very busy, distracted lives. And uh, before you know it, you know, <laughs> you know time has passed. And what have you done? You know? Um, Mark says, fear of the project idea is a common thing, my friend. Some of mine have become so grand and lacking of any practical details that I shut them down as silly or impossible, only to have the real world point to the same possibility. It's happened to me many times, and I too have been angry at the cosmos or my mind process. Like, show me something I can use, damn it. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm i there. I, you know, I can totally relate to that because I've lived that as well. Um, and you're right, Tony. It is very frustrating. Mark says, maybe I could do some monster concept sketches for you. Actually, it isn't monsters. Um, but I'm always open to concepting for sure. Maybe we'll talk about that sometime. Uh, Tony says, uh, rather than us discovering these energies, I was reading the other day that it might be that we are remembering things that we're losing rather than gaining. We all used to be able to use these energies. That's a really interesting way of looking at it, actually. I can see that. Um, I appreciate the advice, Kathleen, about just getting them started before I lose the excitement. I'm planning to do that. Part of the problem was that I just didn't know where to start. And I feel like, like there were some things that I had to get out of myself, like the need for validation and approval and all that kind of stuff. And I finally, like, I didn't know that that was there, um, related to these projects, but now that I do and can uh, kick that aside. Um, I'm absolutely diving in. I, there's several projects. One is a much larger one, but there are others that I have that are 95% done. And then I just move on to the next thing. And I've never really understood why until this past week. So, um, I agree with you a hundred percent. Uh, Lori says, wow, Tony, absolutely awesome. I will need to listen to this several times. Uh, lots of good info for me here. I have tons of visions. I start on them mainly to get them down and then rarely compete them or complete them. But I've noticed that they all connect in a weird way, like I'm being groomed or trained for something else next phase. I would say that you're probably 100% correct on that one. Uh, really motivated to get started and finish them now. Awesome. I'm really glad to hear that. Uh, 
based on my experience, I would say they're absolutely connected. Uh, Kathleen says, from experience, there are different kinds of dreams. Most are ephemeral. Some are visions. Uh, some you can remember clearly years later, just like visions, because they are. Yeah, that's pretty much been my experience as well. And then <laughs> there's some things that I really wish I couldn't remember. And Jess says, it's amazing what our subconscious mind works through uh, our problems. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I didn't see your question there, Herta, but this is very, very interesting. Um, I'll tell you what, um, I would absolutely love to talk about that at another time. Maybe even next week. We'll see. I am working one at a time for, uh, our resident paranormal investigator, Frank, to come in and I'm hoping that that is next week, but yeah, this is a a huge uh, topic that I think could be a lot of fun to discuss about. And that uh, just, uh, I'll just read what she submitted for all of you. Uh, so you'll see what I'm talking about. Uh, she said, I was wondering if you could shed some light on the person of Jesus Christ. I recently read Stranger in the Pentagon and it got me wondering what, Positive ETs believe about Jesus. Do you have any knowledge in this area? Is the biblical Jesus accurately portrayed? Um, I've thought that he came to show us the way, the importance of loving God and one another. I'm not sure about death on the cross, paying for our sins. What do you think about all this? Um, I, I definitely have some opinions <laughs> and some uh, insights on some of that. So I think that could be a very fun and interesting discussion for the future. Um, Kathleen asks, have you read the dream books of Robert Moss? The, you know, the name sounds really familiar, but I'm not sure. Um, if not, I think you would love them. His most recent is Sidewalk Oracles. There's also one about a series of dreams where he was taught about dream practices of the Iroquois and later met some Iroquois elders who verified it was all real unwritten teachings on the practices. Moss is also an award-winning journalist and best-selling novelist, so his writing is wonderful. I'll absolutely check that out um, as soon as we're done. I've actually had the opportunity to talk with um, uh, Iroquois elders. I've spent a fair amount of time with, um, with several of them from um, their seven clans, and I've spent time with some of the Mohawks, um, the Onondaga and uh, Oneida. I have friends in those that gave me an opportunity to sit with some of their elders. And I'll tell you what, when it comes to um, gaining an understanding in things like we've talked about often on this show, um, you can learn a lot from elders, from native elders. And, uh, you know, it, it really is pretty interesting and fascinating for sure. 
Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> Tony says, I was thinking if Disney bought your story rights, it would pay a lot towards your dinosaur science park. Yeah, very possible it could end up that way. Uh, Mavis says, um, I've been, uh, enjoyed this session. I've used visions to understand why I'm writing or painting or what I'm writing or painting, painting, uh, putting the question in my mind and letting whatever happens happen. Interesting process, isn't it? It sure is. And, uh, Herta, I will definitely let you know whenever we'll talk about that. And, uh, <laughs> Mark says, thank you as always for the nerdtastic, nerdishly nerd break in our week. <laughs> You're very welcome. Absolutely. So that's all that I have, folks. Thank you very much for joining me once again. And uh, I hope you enjoy the rest of your week. Uh, and uh, go out and do something interesting. You know, uh, we're here for a reason. So let's let's create something fun and crazy together. So... I'll talk to you all soon. We'll see you next week.